had a couple of challenges indeed. It wasn't it wasn't all easy. Um, we've had a, we've had a bit of everything. That's something my father used to tell me. There's no there's no lesson too expensive. And welcome to this episode of Inspiring the Pack, a Brattles podcast series. I am your host, Robin Keats, and today I am delighted to be joined by Leopold Kopiters of Sakaisan. Leopold, thank you for sitting down with us, albeit virtually, today. Hello, Robin. Um, with, with great pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Leopold, before we jump into the story of Sakaisan itself, uh, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Who is Leopold? What is your background and your story? So Leopold uh, is a 26-year-old Belgian um, guy. Um, what makes him happy is to build stuff. Um, I've always, uh, I've always liked to to be kind of a hands-on uh, uh, building stuff out of wood and construction and, and so forth. So quite practical. Um, and then. I guess I got into uh, Skyson and Solar, and when I was when I start, first started being um, yeah touched by the environment uh, situation, which I would say was was around around the start of university, somewhere uh, somewhere around my 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 twenties. Um, so so yeah, that's me. And Leopold, what actually triggered that interest in um, sustainability and the environment for you? I was, I was, um, so at the time I was doing a lot of carpentry of uh, wood wood construction, and I had a, a project. I was building a, a like a bungalow in the jungle of uh, Colombia, um, and uh, and the the guy that was uh, having me there for for this project. Um, was fully vegetarian. They were in the farm. Uh, there was it's called Mundo Nuevo. Um, if you go to Santa Marta in the north of Colombia, I strongly advise you go there. And they're fully autonomous, so they grow their own food. Um, and uh, so I lived there for a whole month, and my waste, in terms of plastic, was literally I could I could hold it in my hand. It was like the paper of a chocolate bar I'd bought in the village once, but otherwise it was just. Uh, eating, eating from the forest, be, living in the jungle. And anyways, uh, this guy showed me a, a few documentaries that really started started me thinking. Um, and when I got home from Colombia, that was uh, the start of it. I'd say. That's amazing, and that leads me into this this next question, where I really want to dive into the story of Sky Sun. How did it then start from for you? Your return to Belgium. Um, what was the starting point of Sky Sun for you? So I returned to Belgium, and that's the at that point I'm done with my first uh, first university degree, which was in marketing, um, and that's what you would call a bachelor, I think, in in, uh, in English. Uh, so I had to move on and potentially move on uh, onto a master's. Um, and so, having um, having kind of figured out uh, what what I wanted to do, but wasn't sure uh, to 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 go full on into the entrepreneurship side, um, I enlisted for an, a science and, and environmental management um, masters. But at the same time, we created Skyson with uh, my friend Arthur, my friend and co-founder Arthur. So at that at that point, we were both 
students and entrepreneurs and we were trying to kind of juggle the two and the, the theory was that if we if we sucked at one we could always say we were the other so so it was possible to be a bad student but if your company's going well then it's fine company's I love going that. wrong then you probably shouldn't be a good student <laughs> <laughs> I really love that. Um, and uh, Leopold, you know, renewable energy generation and let's say particularly solar um, power is, is a hot topic on the table, um, no pun, pun intended. But uh, there's seems to be, you know, this race for, for time in, in building innovative business models and technologies to reduce our, our footprint um, on the environment. And you've previously mentioned that SkySun plays a role in this by financing the uh, ecological transition. And I'm, I'm fascinated to know what, what exactly you mean by this. What is your business model? So, so we're, not, um, we're not in the business of creating any new technology, uh, so to speak. We, we really rely on, um, on what exists and what works. Um, and we try to push that towards companies. Um, so our focus on is on solar power, uh, which means that we try and make and take out all the friction that could uh, uh, delay a company from getting renewable energy, solar power, uh, and reducing their carbon footprint. So what we do is that we finance uh, projects on the long term. Um, so it's called a power purchase agreement, and the basics of it is quite simple. Geisen pays for a couple of solar panels on your roof or on your parking or your land or whatever, but we pay for the solar panels and then we sell back the energy for a fraction of the grid cost uh, over a long period of time. So let's say if Bright Wolves is paying their energy um, 200 euros per unit of energy on the grid, we will put solar panels up and we will sell um, energy at 100 euros per unit for 10 years, let's say. So this way, Bright Wolves has not um, had to uh, rely on capex they didn't have to you, didn't, you guys didn't have to invest and on the other hand you don't have to manage um, the, the operational cost and the maintenance and so forth because as i said we paid for the panels they're ours and it's our asset to maintain and to make sure that everything's producing at its best and so what's really cool with the model is that it brings everyone on the same side of the table because um what's good for us is good for you guys the more energy is produced, the more you're saving on your bills. And the more energy is produced, the better our investment, because the more kind of, um, yeah, the more sales we make, uh, bottom line. Uh, and so, it, of course, the, the third big winner of this transaction is the planet, because, uh, again, the more renewable energy we produce, the better it is for both parties. So there's no misalignment between the business model and um, making what, doing what's best for the environment, which is really great. I, I absolutely love this. Um, the focus of this podcast is on sustainability, meeting entrepreneurship. And I think you've so perfectly encapsulated that, you know, your off, offer is win-win, um, reducing the costs of the, the businesses, doing good for the environment. Um, your business is obviously very successful. Um, and um, you mentioned, so your, your focus is predominantly then on, on B2B, the, you focus on, on corporates predominantly. Um, what was it like securing those first contracts? Are, are people uh, or companies generally quite open to your proposition? Uh, what was that experience like? So definitely in, in, in a B2B sector, references is everything. 
Um, I'd say we're now seeing the the speed picking up from from what we've done before. Um, when we started, Arthur and I, we were 22 and had no reference. So obviously it took some time and, and, and trust. Um, we were very grateful to uh, a real estate company, AG Real Estate in, in Belgium, um, to trust us with the first project and that kind of kicked, kicked off the, the business. Um, but, but yes, uh, things are, are, are now speeding up uh, and I think it takes time to build a reputation. Um, we did go into the B2C market for some, some time, um, but we realized that uh, we didn't have the, the size or the will to, to get to this, to this, um, this, as, this aspect of quantity. Uh, we're, we would rather go for quality. And so um, we, we stopped our, our residential uh, venture and really focused now on serving companies with a really tailor-made solution for every, for every client um, and a long-term relation of a partnership where you're there for 10, 10 15, 20 years. It's not so much a relation of a client and, and provider. It's really a relation of, of partnership where everyone brings their, their, their competence. So you have a roof or a parking you're not using this is what your business can bring to the table and then skyson kind of fills in the gaps by providing renewable energy wonderful it's uh yeah these personal partnerships um in business i i think are are not maybe often enough spoken about um but to jump back to you uh to what you mentioned about the start and, and obtaining references and you started at, at 22 years old which is an incredible feat um, but I would imagine that growing a business from this bright idea to a viable business solution, uh, well, it's no small feat and I can't imagine it's all smooth sailing. So what challenges um, did you face in those early days and how would you say that you uh, navigated these? Um, I had a couple of challenges indeed. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't all easy. Um, we've, had a, we've had a bit of everything. Uh, I think we... we so obviously there's no, that's something my father used to tell me, there's no, there's no lesson too expensive. There's, there's no screw up that you pay uh, too, too expensive. It's, it's always the right price for what you're learning from, from, the, from the mistake. Um, we've had companies sign letter of intent with us, uh, make us work for a year. And then when everything was ready to, to go, go forward, they would, backtrack and say, oh, no, actually, oh, no. we're not doing it. So we had to, you know, it's, it, and it's at, at that time when you don't have a lot of references and there's a big multi multinational company that kind of puts you, puts you down like that. And we weren't sure what to do if we are, we should we, should we go with it or should we just stand up for our rights and, and kind of, uh, and at that point we did stand up for our rights. We, we went for the lawyers and we ended up getting a settlement uh, which was really great because at the time there was not much cash on the on on the company, so having a settlement offer was was great. So that's one of the, one of the things. Um, I think we also learned a lot uh, in in the relations we we have with our um, with competition. Um, I think okay. the, the early days of of having competition were very uh, I don't know maybe like a juvenile aggressivity or something like that <laughs> um, where now we're, we're much more relaxed uh, we, we 
okay. as a healthy thing. Uh, we were, I think, a bit too competitive, too eager to to uh, to, to conquer at, at at the start. Um, but again, that's all lessons that you you learn. Um, mm. And now we have a we have a really cool relation with with many actors, uh, and it brings projects around. It enables us to collaborate on projects. Um, spreads the risk, spreads the geographic. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I want to touch upon your most recent certification, or I'm not sure if it was most recent, but you are B Corp certified. Yeah. Um, congratulations! That is a Thank huge you. achievement. <laughs> Um, so for those who might not be fully aware of, of the certification, um, could you explain to us what it means to be B Corp certified? So to be B Corp certified is um, is a kind of a, a, a proof or guarantee or a certification that you are a business for good. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a certification that tries in, to recognize the aspects of any business that touch anything environmental, social, and basically all the impacts that you have on your community and on the planet. Um, and so they have this thing called a B impact assessment, which is uh, uh, done by a group called the B Lab. And so they're kind of a nonprofit that uh, goes and look in, looks into your business and certifies that you're doing the right things and yeah, that you're putting everything you can in place to to, to make sure that you're uh, your environment is healthy and, and that the planet uh, is thriving. Um, and so some of the, the, the big names in, in this community are uh, Patagonia, um, Danone. Uh, but um, and so, yeah, it's 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 nice to to be. To be able so it's there's a couple of good things with, with B Corp. The first one is uh, it's nice to to be in this network uh, and to be a part of this kind of standpoint of we're business for good and we're not just there for the cash. Um, the second thing is that B Corp, when you do it as we did uh, quite young, it's probably easier to obtain the certification as a small company than a, a large company. Uh, but it also means that when you start small, you're able to grow in the, the right tracks or at least the, the, the directions that B Corp can give you um, the best practices in terms of uh, social development, uh, environmentals, and so forth. And so it's it's our strategy was to become a B Corp quite early, so that whenever we have questions that arise in terms of, okay, what should we do with uh, this social aspect of employment or this, this different different aspects of growing a business, we can turn to B Corp not for the truth, but just maybe for an inspiration to what we can do. And so it was obviously quite a, a process to, you know, get get to that certification. Is there also some expectation from you um, to maintain it? Do you have to go through some checks every couple of years or, or submit reports? What does that look like? Yeah. So your 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 impact assessment runs for three years. Um, it's re rescheduled every three years, and um, obviously the, the aim is that you thrive and that you get better and better every uh, every time you retake the test. I think we are at the moment around at 90, 90 points out of 200. Um, Amazing. Which is which is quite, quite good. I think it's, mm. let me check. Oh, we're, no, we're at 97, 97. Hey, <laughs> that's um, amazing. 
<laughs> which is good. Um, but like Patagonia, which is a much larger company, they're mm-hmm. at 160. Okay. So they've they've been doing it for so many years, and so they're really mm. amazingly good at at at, at it. But um, the mm-hmm. idea is that we're we're going to be trying to aim for to, to get a couple of points every 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 few years. Okay. Yeah. And what would you say is the one um, piece of advice you would give to another organization who is triggered by this and and would like to pursue the certification? Um, I think it's it's one one tip I, I got from from a friend who's uh, who's also working for B Corp and that uh, handled the the certification um, was to to get the PDF of the impact assessment and just print it out and answer all the questions um, by hand in in the team uh, you know so that you can erase rewrite just work around it um, and and that really helps to kind of uh, structure your your progress in the in the certification, and then at some point you have to submit. Um, and uh, and yeah, I don't know if I have um, any other ad- advices apart from go for it. It's it's mm. uh, it's a it's a worthy process. It also it brings into light things that you have done well, and mm. also things that you should have done and that you are, have now an opportunity to to implement. Okay, so very valuable certification indeed. Um, Leopold, you have a, a wonderfully innovative business model. Um, and as I've mentioned before, it, it so lovely or wonderfully brings together the sustainability and entrepreneurship. But um, let's not beat around the bush here. Uh, Belgium is not exactly the sunniest place on earth. And, and mm-hmm. I believe that 2021 was was one of the wetter, wetter years. Um, as an aside, I was quite happy to hear that because yeah, as yeah, a South African, if that was what summer was like, it was a bit depressing. Um, so to come back to my point, it seems a, an interesting choice to focus on solar um, in Belgium. Are the rec- returns adequate for you? It's, so, so to start with, yes, uh, the summer was terrible, <laughs> but absolutely terrible. We, we, we saw on, on our monitoring systems um, the loss of production compared to the previous years, I think, was between 20, ten and twenty percent. It was it was really really bad. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so so the, the yeah the, the 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 summer was not was not there to, this year. Um, um, but so yes, so solar power um, works in two different ways. I would say you can have, let's say proper solar power that takes the heat of the sun and bounces off bounces it off mirrors and heats up some sort of oil and then this oil will uh, be used to boil water and the boiled water will give off steam and the steam will power a generator and that will be proper maybe solar power uh, and so you have a solar power plant in the desert uh, and it works it's it's i think i think it's amusing to see that Nearly all of our energy technologies work with heating up stuff, boiling water, and then turning stuff mm. with the with the with the with the, um, the steam. Um, so the solar power we work with it does not work in that way. It's called the photovoltaic solar power, um, and so it means that it's uh, based on the, the harnessing of photons. Photons being light. Um, yes, we don't have a lot of, so, of sun in Belgium, but we do have light. Uh, so obviously, when the sun is shining, you have more light. 
uh, but still um, you have light every day uh, at a at a re reliable rate um, and so solar in Belgium works very well solar photovoltaics uh, it has a smaller ratio of production obviously than in Spain but that doesn't mean it's not worthy um, what we look at is the amount of energy it can produce and the amount of the return on investment in terms of carbon and in terms of energy um, and and all those things are are in the green uh, because uh, solar panel is a very effective technology in, in the in the in the aspect that it's it has very low maintenance and it has a very high um, durability because okay. there's no moving parts because there's nothing you know that can rub rub against each other you don't have to oil stuff you don't have to you know that you just have to wipe it off a couple of times and, and mm. keep it clean uh, but apart from that it won't it won't uh, degradate uh, so much and so the ratio in belgium would be for one unit of power you get around 0.95 units of energy uh, so one to 0.95 in spain you get a, a better ratio which is from one to 1.6 okay so you obviously you produce a lot more energy with the same panel in spain than you do in brussels but um it'll make sense to, to mm. put that in place here in, in belgium okay so, <clears throat> so the cloud cover would would reduce the effectiveness somewhat but not enough to say this is not good enough yeah and so, but but it's a very it's a very cyclical business too um yeah because uh so on the day you produce not much not much not much and then at midday you produce a lot and then you go down again to the evening but in the year also you you start off in in the season we're now uh where you produce uh, not much at all and mm -hmm. then uh, the more you go into summer, you produce more and more and more. The, the days are longer, the sun is higher. It's yeah. also this aspect of how high the sun goes into the sky um, and then goes back mm -hmm. down. And so there, it's very, it's a, it's a big peak. Um, and it's interesting to see that in, in our business, that means also that our revenue, because it's based on the amount of energy we produce, is Indeed. also very cyclical. Uh, so right now we were in the, in the starving months where we... <laughs> We're living off our reserves from the summer to pay to pay the staff and 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 get projects going, but we're very much expecting the summer uh, to 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 yeah to fill up the the bank account and 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 go get going for the next year. So it's a very cyclical. It's nice also to be in touch with the seasons in in that aspect. Um, yeah, I suppose one one aspect that that is positive is that you do have these long contract uh, long-term contracts so even yeah. though it's cyclical it's it's not um you have that assurance yes that, yes yes yeah. absolutely mm. it's it's very well it's very comfortable um mm. especially in the beginning uh, uh because it was it was it also meant that for the very very first project it made sense to work a lot towards getting this project and mm. if it happened then we could kind of that off steam a bit and be like, okay, we have this first project now. We can kind of steer steer the boat more more calmly. Yeah, indeed. Um, Leopold, it seems that you know people are starting to chat about um, solar power and and 
that's that's a largely puzzle, positive thing. But I do find sometimes these conversations can be um, misled by subjective news or uh, personal agendas. What would you say is one commonly held myth about sustainable energy generation or solar power that you passionately disagree with? Um, so one one of the things that really uh, strike me is is the aesthetics of of solar panels. Um, that is one thing that is uh, uh, time and time again uh, uh, solar power is attacked with the accusation mm. of being ugly, um, which I kind of get uh, if you're doing standard uh, standard stuff. It is it has a it's not the the prettiest thing for your house. Um, so that's something we've tackled uh, in the in the past and the past year, and we're really passionate about. Um, uh, Doing for doing some more is uh, building integrated photovoltaics. Okay. Um, so it's doing something architectural that you, mm. you where you actually don't see the solar panels. Um, and so I was always I was always very very keen on on doing something aesthetic. And it's something we've we've um, demonstrated uh, in October by integrating a project on a, uh, a classified monument. Okay. Historical monument here in Brussels, which is the so we call the project the Solar Market, and in fact it's the covered market of Anderlecht. Is okay. I don't yeah. know if you've been in in the neighborhood. It's it's around twelve thousand square meters, so very large, um, and it's a protected monument from. So there's like this commission, uh, this royal commission for the preservation of of monuments, and they mm. had to sit down and take a decision on. Are we going to put solar panel or not on the roof? Is it so? Basically, is it ugly or not? Yeah. <laughs> um, to really put it to a, to a simple question, um, and so what we proposed was a solution where uh, you really don't see the solar panels because they're they they uh, they mimic the aesthetics of a uh, zinc roof. So a zinc roof would be what you see in Paris. It's very this mm. the, the style of of vertical lines, metallic roofs. Okay. Um, and so that's something I would now disagree with people. Mm. They say solar is ugly. It's like, well, it's not the right solar. You should look into what you can do. Yeah. There's a couple of solutions to make stuff pretty. How has um, moving to um, building integrated photovoltaics potentially changed um, parts of your business model? Because I would imagine that you're now perhaps dealing with um, nuances that are a bit different or different parties where you might have been installing a solar power or solar panel on a roof, but now you're involved more in in the construction if you're having to integrate it into buildings, um, whether it's clear glass or, or roof. Yeah. Um, how did that look like for you? Um, so it's it, it means a bit more long-term projects uh, because obviously these things get decided uh, 12, 12 to 24 months before uh, the, the construction phase is at that point. Um, so we're talking with with uh, real estate develop, developers, um, which is not which is a crowd we kind of know. Um, okay. we've, we've been involved with real estate for for a couple, a couple of years now, but mm. we're now involved a bit a bit earlier in the process. We're not retrofitting business uh, buildings with solar, but we're rather uh, thinking. How we can integrate it? We we work with an architect, uh, which is called Sunsoak. Uh, 
an architect firm, Jean-Didier Stenakers. And this guy is super knowledgeable uh, on on all the different techniques that uh, that exist. And he often works uh, very early stage with with uh, with the different developers. There's a um, what would you call this in English? Cahier um, charge. So uh, uh, yeah, just a list of everything mm-hmm. that needs to get done, basically. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and we come in and we look at that. We estimate the cost and we make an offer for the financing of of, uh, of uh, this uh, this project. Okay. And it's it's good because at the moment and it's it's long due, but um, energy efficiency, um, renewable energy, all these things are becoming com- absolutely compulsory if you want to build uh, a new building or if you want to renovate an existing building. And so these things are adding some economic pressure on the real estate developers, um, pressure that they sometimes can absorb, sometimes not. Uh, and oftentimes they will decide to outsource uh, this this financial uh, this financial aspect, and and so they outsource the, the the management, they outsource the financing. It's really getting all the benefits of solar, so the environment and the economics, without all the hassle, so all the management and the finance. Uh, that's what okay. we try to do. Okay. And um, how? Where do you source the panels from? Is that part of your business, um, or is that also? Um, contracted to a, a third-party provider. So we contract the 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 installation um, mm. with with a third party, uh, which doesn't mean we don't look at what we're we're installing. Uh, certainly mm. not, because it's it's our investment. So uh, it's really key to us to make sure that we invest in the right uh, materials. Otherwise, we're just well making a bad investment. Mm. <clears throat> so the the standard modules um, solar panels are. Uh, sourced in China. Okay. They really have a monopole on the production of silicon cells, mm. um, which means that if you can get your hands on German solar panels, but they will be uh, they will be put together in Germany, but built in China. So it's kind oh, okay. of like it's kind of like Apple, you know, like designed in Cupertino, but <laughs> still still built in China. Um, so that's something we need to take into account also into the study of. Uh, environmental impact um, mm. because there's transport there's uh you know so transportation costs in, in terms of carbon but also the the carb the energy mix of china is more mm. uh, carbonated um but it's that that's something that we take into account and it still shows that in uh um life cycle cycle analysis the the the, the project has has sense mm. um and then there are, for more architectural pro- projects, there, there are solutions here in, in Belgium. Um, there's a company called ISOL, uh, which does uh, really tailor-made uh, modules uh, mm. with very specific uh, specs in terms of thickness of the glass and, and so forth. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I wanted to um, dive deeper on something you mentioned now with um, doing the, let's call it an energy audit um, and looking at the total life cycle analysis. Um, so if you had to do an energy audit for, for one of the um, companies who have installed these uh, solar panels um, or if it's building integrated um, solar, do you then take into consideration all of these, what one would call scope three emissions? So from from the transportation and the manufacturing in in China, because I could imagine that that data must be quite difficult to come across as well. 
it is it is taken into account um there's a couple of so we don't do it uh our on our own uh, okay we rely on the studies of uh a couple of independent organizations and <clears throat> student papers university papers mm. and that's what we base our our data on uh, because yeah as you say it's 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 a big job um mm. and it's hard or undoable uh to for us to be handling this you know this on the side of the business and finding new projects and so forth mm. um so so it's not something we do in house okay and i want to dive deeper also onto um regulations so regulations seem to be changing at quite a rapid pace regarding sustainability and and climate impact um how are you managing to stay on top of this to make sure that what you're offering um continues to be in line with with the pressures that that one faces yeah. to to reduce emissions um i i i don't really see that as a as a setback and, and, and it's rather uh, uh, it's rather actually helping us uh, mm. legislation getting stronger and 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 you know uh, enticing people to to get moving um what we do see is on a, on a european level uh the legislation is homogenizing so okay. with the green deal and with the, the, the european um uh commission is is pushing uh yeah legislation to, to so that every country has kind of the same system and that's really something we want to tap into um as a as a company here based in brussels we see a huge value uh in being a european player uh we do also we have this from this generation which is a european generation that has gone on, on erasmus during their studies that has um, done uh interrails uh train trips in, mm. in in europe and so we we feel a strong European identity on top of our uh, Belgian identity. And so the legislation that is passing in these different countries is really a, a sign for us that we that we want to that we want to work in Europe and following our clients in the different uh, the different countries they are. So if they have a warehouse in Spain, Italy or, or, or France, we, we are going to manage that in, in the couple of next couple of years. Mm. And and looking beyond this of homogenization of, of regulations across the continent, um, what would you say will be the the trends that the industry will face in the coming years? Let's look at a five to ten year perspective. Um, the industry in terms of which which players in the industry, the the the, the our ecosystem as as let's look at your ecosystem. Um, I think the trends are going to be for, for installators, um, so mm. what you call EPC, which we are not, which is engineering, procurement and construction. So it's the guys that actually uh, buy the panels, um, mm. put them into place and then sell the, the project either to uh, either to Skyson, to a financing party or to a company directly. Um, I think they, they will uh, have to consolidate into larger groups um, okay. to, and, and to be very professional in terms of, of buying and procurement, uh, which is really the key for them uh, because so engineering, so it's EPC, engineering, procurement and construction. Um, the engineering part is pretty straightforward. It's not super complicated. Uh, it's, as I said, there's no moving parts and so forth. So it's, it's relatively 
uh, straightforward. Um, but the procurement part is tricky because uh, the technology is evolving very fast. Um, and so it, there's a, a big challenge in terms of having enough stock to provide to your uh, clients, but mm -hmm. not having too much stock to be stuck with kind of past generation modules that you have to kind of liquidate. So I think there's there's a, um, there's going to be a, a move towards more professional EPCs uh, that really uh, go straight to, to 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 the source to find the best products and to be always on top of of the game. Okay, um, Leopold, I I find that this has been a very inspiring and insightful conversation. Um, not only for myself, but I think for everyone listening. So in line with um, the name of our podcast, Inspiring the Pack, I'm sure there will be li people listening to this who are inspired by your ambitions. Um, and perhaps they're also wanting to take their next step into becoming an entrepreneur in the sustainability sphere. So I would say my final question to you is, what advice would you give to listeners who may also want to start their own sustainable company? Um my advice would be to start with a uh, b2b service company uh if if it's really a, f a first first go um mm -hmm. a first try and if you, and if you decide not to uh, raise capital but rather to bootstrap like we did mm -hmm. um then it's it's really easier i think to to have a service company b2b oriented the other end of the spectrum, I always say, is is having a product mm. uh, oriented towards customers, to B2C. Um, because the cost and the time and the energy of developing a, a product is, is enormous. Um, and marketing to customers is also uh, very complicated. Mm. Whereas marketing a service is much easier. It's a suit and, and a PowerPoint. And um, and and yeah, and providing to businesses means that you have bigger contracts and less quantity. Mm. Um, and so I think I think it's a it's a it makes sense to think about that very early stage um, because those products to consumers uh, companies you really need to raise capital and 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 which is a solution also, but mm. that's just something to keep in mind. Okay. So you would recommend the the B2B oriented service service market as a I, first I think go. It would work for me. So maybe it's yeah. easy for me to, just to say yeah. it's the right thing, but it was mm. it, it, it turned out well for us. Yeah. And you also mentioned that you touched on on the B2C. So you, you have that first hand experience yeah. um, from that. Plus plus fi find a co founder. Uh, find someone to be happy and miserable with. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I don't think I don't think we would uh, either Arthur or I or I would have um, uh, went through uh, yeah. if we were just just uh, the one of us. Um, mm. It's it's really important to have a, a team team player uh, teammates to that 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 completes uh, the, the the competence and that everyone yeah. brings something different. Uh, and it's really a pleasure then to work because you know that. I know that Arthur has a part of a business completely covered and he knows that I got the other side. Yeah. So, so really to find someone who complements um, yeah. your own skills and, and vice versa. All right, Leopold, thank you very much. Um, really, as I mentioned, this has been so inspiring. Um, so thank you for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it.
Thank you. And um, yeah, I hope we met, meet face to face sometime. Indeed. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye bye. This episode of Inspiring the Pack was brought to you by Bright Wolves with the technical and creative support of Bjarne and Maciel. Thank you so much for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? Then be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or if you'd like to go over the show notes or get in touch with one of our guest speakers, you can always visit www.brightwolves.com slash inspiringthepack. We will be back next week with a new episode. But until then, take care.